What's up and welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm, oh sorry, Emily Van Vutt. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm like choking Frog on in my, the third. man. Well, we've, we've, we've both been been uh, bitten with illness. That's yeah, why this episode is a day or two I'm late. I'm sorry, so. I started with a sore throat today and it's just not good. Well, fortunately... For us, at least, um, shorter when we're docket. sick, we can play board games. What a shorter docket because we haven't had <laughs> a lot. To, we haven't played much new stuff. Also, we've just kind of been wanting to play um, stuff like older stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we've just been in the mood to do that the past couple of weeks. So there's only a handful of games uh, that are new. Uh, when we get down to the nitty gritty of the episode, we'll be talking about Vitalis Serda, uh, all of his games, uh, what we like about them, why they work for two players. Uh, now that we finally played uh, the new Vino's Deluxe Edition that we got in recently. Before we get into everything, though, uh, just a reminder of where you can find us online. Uh, we frequent Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you search at Tabletop for two, you can find us there. Uh, I would certainly appreciate and would as well if you subscribe to the show at iTunes, Google Play Music, or any podcatcher of your choice. If you are on Board Game Geek, we do have a guild, uh, number 2623 where you can find like show news and things like that. And also we're going to be periscoping um like live plays coming up soon, like actually Again, things, starting this week. Things like this make me feel old cuz I had no clue what periscope was before well, you told I mean, me. You don't use Twitter, so I wouldn't expect you to. I really don't use Twitter that much. But uh I know that uh, the first one we plan on doing is 13 days, uh which is one of our Favorites? The first one he plans on, because I just found out about this about two hours ago. Well, we're going to be doing that, like I said, sometime this week. So uh, if you use Periscope, you can follow us at Tabletop for two, uh, or just uh, keep an eye on our Twitter, and you will see announcements and stuff for that. Plus, whenever we do finish with those, uh, the plan is to upload them to our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which is has a nice thick layer of dust growing on it right this second, because we haven't done video reviews in a couple of years. So, Well, we can't that. help it. No, we can't. Um, so as I mentioned, we got the Vino's Deluxe Edition in, uh, which was a Kickstarter from Eagle Griffin Games. Uh, this was more than just a, like, deluxe reprint of Vino's. Um, Didn't you tell me they kind of reworked the rules and streamlined yeah, it? Yeah, Vitalis Serda basically, because Vino's was the first game that he ever published. Um, and he said that he'd learned a lot since he'd done that game, so he kind of took another stab at Vino's. With some more um, sensibilities that he's picked up over the years, I guess, mm-hmm. to kind of streamline things and make things a little bit um, not easier, but just you know less fiddly and that sort of thing. Um, we did play the original version of Vinos <laughs> once, but it was a couple years ago, and neither of us remember a whole lot. No, because as we're playing the new one, he's like, "Okay, is it familiar yet?" I'm like. Not at all. Yeah. Now, what's cool about this version is that it actually comes with both editions of the game, essentially. It has the rules for both editions, and it has components for both editions. So, so it's kind of like, was it Merchant of Venus? Yeah, that actually, that, yeah, that's a very good comparison. It's like the Fantasy Flight version of Venus. Don't sound so surprised. <laughs> God. But, uh, but we played the, we played the, the newer streamlined version, um, and we liked it quite a bit. Um, yeah. It's it's got the well. First of all, to comment on the production quality, uh, that's pretty solid. It's they did the same artist that did the gallerist, and it's the same like deluxe components. So like you this really thick cardstock, and it's got a nice tray with a lid. I really like the in. art. Yeah, the art the art was definitely. I do remember the art from the first edition, and I, I guess it's going to depend on taste. Um, but it's definitely. I I think it's a stark improvement over the first edition. Um, in Vinos, you're 
it's another wine business running game. So think of it like Viticulture, but Vinos is a little bit harder edged, I would say, than Viticulture is. Um, essentially, it, the game takes place over six years. Each year, you have two actions that you're allowed to perform. Um, that might be getting a new vineyard to your on your estate. That might be putting a winery in your estate, building wine cellars so that you can age your wine and make it more valuable, um, selling your wine for money, exporting it for victory points, um, you know, thing, things of that nature, uh, hiring wine experts that you can use to give you different bonus abilities, things like that. Um, so you're going to alternate these turns, and then once the year is over, um, you're going to produce some wine, so every estate that you have produces wine for you um, that, that you can use for other things. Uh, and then every couple of rounds, you're also going to have a wine fair where you take one of your one of your wines and present it at the wine fair. And based on how, you know, how quality the wine is, you'll get a certain number of fair points. And um, those are cumulative throughout the game. And after each wine fair, you score bonus points as well. Um, you're also trying to appeal to some wine experts, uh, which you can use to get extra barrels, which you need in order to export wine and sell wine. And, and also to use the, uh, the game, you know, the point bonus tiles that you can use for the end of the game. Um, and there's a lot more going on than that, but that's, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a typical Lacerda game where you have, you know, limited actions and you're trying your best to, to make the best use out of them as you go along. We're not going to dive too deep into, you know, that part of it, because that's obviously going to be safe for our main topic of the show. Um, but yeah, Venus Deluxe Edition was a fun, like medium to heavyweight Euro game that I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah. Um, actually, like I said, I really did not remember anything whatsoever about the first time we played. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just completely blanked on it. Um, this one I really enjoyed. Like I said, it still has that, it still has like the viticulture where you have like the limited turns, but I mean, that's all based on you, based on if you hire people and, you Well, know. the thing, the thing with, the thing with this one is that the turns are super limited because like you only have 12 turns in the game. Yeah. Not counting like the wine fairs and stuff like that. And there are ways to get bonus actions, but they're pretty they're pretty limited. Um so you really do have to be right. as and economical like, as possible. Uh, are we talking about like the little bonus tiles that mm-hmm. you pick before the beginning of the round? Which yeah. those are kinda cool. I mean they can I I think they can help or hinder you depending yeah. on you know what you get. The, um, the wine experts also have a dual purpose too, because you can either use them for bonus actions, or you can get rid of them during the wine fair to give your wine more prestige. Basically, like you have I, a spokesperson. I don't even know. Did I hire any wine experts? Because I don't think I did. You did it in very limited supply. I definitely hired more wine experts than you did. I know. I definitely finished off all my vineyards. Mm-hmm. And well, think, well and that's because I got that bonus tile right, at the end it's, of the it's, game. You know, it's, it's, it's typical in that where you get, you know, there's end game bonuses that you can earn. Obviously, right. that'll kind of steer your strategy throughout the game. Yeah, this was a um, this was a delightful it game. It was actually a little crunchier than I thought it was going to be for mm-hmm. the two of us. I figured it would be, it would be that, at least. Um, it, it's also tough because the action board is like this um not this three by three grid and you can get to any action that you want to but you might have to but pay if you don't yeah. go adjacent to where you are you gotta pay for it. Yeah. Or if you go on the spot where the token is, don't you have to pay as well? Yeah, yeah. There there's a round marker that also moves along the action selection board as well and that's to limit certain actions from being 
very good in certain rounds, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this one, this one was very cool. Um, I know a couple of the differences that were in the game. Um, I know for the wine export area from the original version, um, the two player area is smaller. So like Emma was saying, there is more competition for those spaces, which is I won. very much necessary. Did you win? That's right. You did win. Cause you exported the hell out of some wine. So see, maybe get not getting wine experts. Wasn't a, uh, wasn't such a bad thing. No. Um, what else? I like the, um, that, uh, what was it? When you grab the tile from each area, you get to add the little prestige cube. Oh, yeah, the renowned cube. So, renowned cube, that's yeah, what it Yeah, any, anytime you, so there's nine different regions, um, where you can build wine estates basically in the game. That's, that's actually oh, something that I forgot oh, to mention. That's the thing that I went, we didn't get to use it this time because that was not one of the selections that we had in the game, but they actually have a port wine thing in the game and there's a little teeny tiny wine rack with little wine bottles and I that, think it's adorable. That was a Kickstarter exclusive. <laughs> I don't know if you should tell anyone about that because if they go to buy it, they'll be uh, sadly disappointed and it won't, it won't be there. Oh, um, it's yeah, the, very cute. The wine regions is a, is another cool aspect of the game because they um, each each region comes with a special bonus when mm-hmm. you build a vineyard in that region, and then you also anytime you interact with that region, you basically add like renown in the form of a mm-hmm. cube, which then as you're selling, so your when wines, you go to sell it, yeah, you, can you can ditch the cubes to make it more valuable. Yes, and actually, if if multiple players make wine from the same region, anyone can use the cubes no matter who placed them. So that's I another push and pull. I definitely use that to my advantage. Yeah, that's another push and pull thing. So we'll dive a little bit more into the in, into the Lacerda tropes with the game once we get to our main topic. But yeah, Vino's Deluxe Edition, um, definitely a, a big thumbs up from us. Um, I'm sure at some point we'll probably try the other version of the game, but I have a feeling that we'll probably stick with the 2016 version a little bit more cuz even even he said he likes it a lot better than uh than the original. Yeah. So oh, that. and we already maimed our game too because the uh little the little cards, the little like reference cards that it comes with. <laughs> I had to cut them down the middle cuz one half of it was for the old game, one yeah, half was, was for the new game. Yeah. I was like why did they do this? Yeah, the way the pages were laid out. I don't know. And he's looking at it. I was like, give me scissors. I said, I'm just going to cut it in half. (laughs) It worked out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Next on our list is Beyond Baker Street. Yeah. I bought this this on a whim because I... So this is a rare time where I didn't really do a a ton of research on a game. (laughs) I'd seen that it was getting a lot of buzz. It was Sherlock Holmes themed. So I was like, yeah. So I was like, okay, we'll probably like this. It's probably a deduction game of some kind. Um, I was surprised to find out that what this is is essentially Sherlock a more Holmes Hanabi. Yeah, it's a more um, a more complex version, I guess, of Hanabi, which was a game that M and I did not particularly enjoy playing with one another. So I was kind of scared when I when I brought this out to the table and I said, "Hey, well, we have it. We need to try it." I remember I didn't even tell M like how the game was. I just set it up. And I had I set up the card holders with our starting hands facing away from each other. And when she said, "No, no, 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 no," this is what he says. As I'm coming over to the table, he says, "So this is kind of like a game that we've played before." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And then by the time I get over there, I look and I was like, "Oh Lord, let's see how this goes." Yeah, when you can when you can see across the table and my cards <laughs> facing like, you. Lord, let's see how this goes. Um, but. Surprisingly, I think we appreciated this a lot more. I did. Well, like I said, 
I enjoy the theme. The theme will draw me in. Mm-hmm. Like certain themes will always draw me in. Well, so in here and here's the other thing too. So um, I thought this game would actually be more complex because what you're doing is you're trying to solve um, a case before Sherlock Holmes does. So Holmes acts as like the time track for the game, where any time you basically give the other player a hint as to what cards they have, he advances towards zero, and if he gets to zero, you lose. Um, there's three different pieces of evidence that you have to. Uh, uncover um, one might be like a motive for the crime one might be a suspect um and it's abstracted out a little bit um because essentially you're trying to hit a number that's on one of these cards so, like you flip mm-hmm. over a suspect and you're trying to get to a value of nine with cards that you play on that suspect but the thing is you have to hit exactly, exactly nine. nine so and then there's also an investigation marker. What happens if you don't? Do you just bust? Yeah, you bust and you lose. It becomes a dead lead. And then so, but all those cards get added to the <laughs> like to the junk tank. pile, which is going to move Holmes along that much faster, basically. Right. Um, and then there's I also. Mean, I know we didn't have that problem, but I was just curious. Yeah. Do you bust? You, yeah, you do. Um, yeah, it never happened to us in the first game that we played. Um, there's also a investigation progress marker that to win the game you have to confirm your three leads and have this marker be exactly on the number 20 space and the way that that marker moves along is you have to discard cards to the junk pile that's i, I can't remember what the exact name is it, but it's basically like a discard pile and the thing is though that once that discard like pile dead leads or something no nah, that might be it i can't like i said i can't remember exactly what the what the jargon was this is why we have the interface. but um if you but the problem is that dead leads pile or that junk pile, once it hits a certain number of cards, every time you add a card to it, you end up moving Sherlock Holmes along, you know, towards the zero mark as well. So he's like this ever-present timer. Um, but So I thought it'd be tougher than Hanabi was. Mm-hmm. But at least on the easiest difficulty, I, it was actually much easier because Well, it's, in fairness, you said that was like the easiest one, and then they get progressively harder. Well, it was, but with Hanabi... Not only do you have to lay the cards in the different piles, but, but you have, have to lay to them in, in order. order. Right. With this game, yeah, you're trying to hit a specific number, but you don't have to like play the cards in any kind of progressive order. So like if you're trying to hit a nine, if you lay down a four and a five, that's cool. And it doesn't matter in what order you lay them down in as long as they're the correct four and five that you play on there. So it actually was a little bit easier. Now, obviously, the game will get harder with the higher difficulties. There's actually six different difficulty settings for the game um but i really actually enjoyed this one and uh, i enjoyed it a lot more than hanabi i i I thought adding the extra little quirks would make the game tougher but it actually made things a little bit easier impossible that's Uh, what it's called okay the impossible evidence pile i guess or something like that yeah um and i know you were also pretty pretty high on this as well i was pretty jazzed about it like i said i love anything to do with sherlock holmes thanks dad Mm -hmm. um Yeah, it's just uh, something about that. I think because it had a little more to it than Hanabi did. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, we were actually trying to, instead of just, okay, I got to put these in order, in the color, into this. I'm actually trying to, you know, not only do I have to have certain cards, I have to have to get to the certain amount and, you know, this, that, and the other. I loved I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really good game. I'm pleasantly surprised. So if, if you like Hanabi... Um, I would definitely say it's worth picking up for mm-hmm. sure. If even if you didn't like Dobby, it might like be twenty bucks, something like that. I can't remember exactly yeah. how much it costs. But yeah, Beyond Baker Street is from Z Man Games. Um, a solid pickup, a, a pretty good, uh, yes, pretty good, uh, hidden card game. Absolutely. So, a couple of weeks back, we got Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space. Um, 
primarily to play with friends. With friends, um, because it's a hidden movement game that supports anywhere from two to eight players. Uh, but then we decided, well, you know, it does two players. We might as well see if the game works well with two players. So, for those who don't know, uh, Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space is a hidden movement game where one team of players is our aliens. Uh, the other team of players are humans that are aboard this spaceship. Uh, it's essentially Alien, the video game, for all intents and purposes. Um, each turn you move, each each team starts on a certain space on this on this map that's uh, like a hexagon map, essentially. Um, that you have like um that's on dry, dry race. race, yeah. And each turn, um, you move your character secretly to an, uh, another coordinate on the map. Uh, usually it's for if you're humans, you can move one space. Aliens can move one or two. Um, and then you draw a card from this deck. And, well, you might have to draw a card from the deck. There's safe spaces where you don't have to draw anything. And then there's dangerous spaces where you do draw a card from this deck. And depending on the card you draw, um, you might have to announce exactly the sector that you're in. Um, you might have to announce... You might be able to announce a random sector that you that you can use to mislead people, um, or it might be like a special item that you can acquire that you can use later on. Um, the other players don't know which card you drew, though, so they don't know if you're bluffing or not. So if you're very crafty, you can throw someone off the scent uh, when you get the when you get the cards that let you announce any sector on the map. Um, aliens. And humans stay hidden as far as what their roles are from each other until an alien kills a human. Um, with the two-player game, obviously, it's a little bit more zero-sum because one player is going to be the alien and one player is going to be the human. Um, fortunately, each player does also have character abilities that you can use as well, which are optional. Um, they give you a special power-up, and that also remains hidden from your opponent. But essentially, as the alien, you're trying to um, kill the human before he can escape. And as the human player... Uh, you're trying to get to one of the four escape pods that are on the map, and if you successfully escape from the space station, then you win. So we did play this with four players first, um, which was a pretty fun experience, mm -hmm. especially once everyone kind of got the hang of what they were doing, because some people struggled to pick it up. Shut like up. Like the person I'm looking across at the table. Shut your face. Here real quick. <laughs> um, what did you think about the, the two-player game that we played, though? Um, <laughs> well, it sucks if you're the alien. That's all I can say. Really? Yes. You don't like playing uh playing I don't like the cat and the, mouse part. I don't like being the bad guy in this one. Really? I usually like being the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, let's say usually I, you like that. I didn't I didn't like it. I felt like you had more of an advantage. Hmm. I mean I know I can move more spaces, but Right. Yeah, I just Yeah. This one, um I, I, I agree with you that it wasn't the greatest two player game. Now they, they have eight different maps in the box, um three of which they recommend using for two players. Um, we used actually I don't used the smallest. Think it was the map. You just think it was just the way the game. Yeah, works, I think it's the way the game works. Well, so it's hidden movement game. You're not supposed to know who's who in a two player game. If one of you is the human, you know the other one's the alien. So you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. That kind of takes a little bit of the fun away to me. Yeah, if, I mean, so I, I guess for two players, it's more so. Um, do, do you? I mean, does no, that, I agree. Does that makes sense. No, I agree because part of the tension that's in the because you don't because you're, you're tracking everyone right, and you don't and know who it to, is. Yeah, you're trying to right. also figure out who's on your team. Um, yeah, and I guess like the two player game, it's more about the character abilities. Well, being and see, a differentiator. And that's the thing. Like I, I mean. My uh, my special ability, mm. I don't think I ever got to use it once during the game because I never drew a card. Because, frankly, you didn't draw a lot of cards during the game anyway. 
Yeah, no, the two-player game was definitely a little bit shorter. Um, or felt a little bit shorter, at least. Yeah, this one, um, it, it definitely, I wouldn't recommend it for two players. Um, no. If you want a quick-ish hidden movement game that you can play with two, um, Spectre Ops is probably a better choice. And we actually busted that out a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. that was just as good. I think, I think Emma... Wait, did I get to be... You're the bad guys again, yeah. No, I was the good guy the first time, remember? And oh, I won. Oh, that's right. And I told you I wanted to be the bad guy, because I like being the bad guy. Yes, that's right. You were the bad guy this time, and you beat me as I was trying to as, kill me, as I was trying to escape the as facility. As he was about to escape, I got him. But no, but yeah, Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space is a good game. Um, if you're going to play it with more people, if you're going to play it with two primarily, I definitely wouldn't say that I recommend it. I think you have to. you want to have at least four for that game to really shine. Yeah, I think this is going on the uh, party game shelf. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Absolutely. Well, I, did you do this on purpose? I get to speak of the two that I really No, I, di- I didn't, <laughs> but that's that works out okay. Um, next is, we actually, I mean, we've talked about Shakespeare on the show before, but we actually got the backstage expansion, and I really enjoyed it. Like, it adds a whole new level to the game. It does. It's. I mean, but it's. A, it's a. It's a really simple expansion. I mean, it comes in a deck in a tuck box of cards. Basically, it's all it is. Basically, it's just extra people that you can hire to help you out. Yeah. So in in <laughs> regular um, Shakespeare, you have the different actors that you can hire but, as you go along. Right. And and, and they still there's you still have those actors and there's actually extra actors that they add with this. Right. And so you have your five little cylinders and each was it each round you bid how many you're going to use for how many different actions you're going to do that round. Mm-hmm. And this one, the extra cylinders actually go to the backstage area, and you can use them in the backstage area for various purposes, where in the regular game, they're just kind of there. Yeah, and the, and the backstage area is actually a separate deck of cards that have, have these people that you can hire using your leftover cylinders, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, some or, of them... Right, and then some of them actually let you do certain actions to pay... Depending on how many cylinders right. you know you use. Well, yeah. So most of the backstage folks are like one shot abilities. Um, some of them you can like hire permanently, and they'll give you different bonuses as mm-hmm. well. Um, and that's pretty much what I got what it one. added. I got a good one from yeah. that. I had the guy that if um, if you used his card, you could actually buy pieces from the discard pile. Yeah, which was cool. Yeah, things like that. And and so yeah, the, it added. Quite a bit to the game without adding a lot to the game, yeah. Because it gave you one more, one more thing that like you had to watch fast. out your for your opponent yeah. to to kind of steal. Because the backstage cards, um, even though you lay out you know two more than the number of players, each card can only be used by one player. So if your opponent beats you to it, uh, then you won't be able to use that. So you have to kind of say, well, do I want to hire this actor first that I think they're going for, or do I want to you know acquire these? Costumes because I, you know, I think they're angling for this, but I really want to use this backstage guy. So just it, it, it makes for more tension in the game, which is a great thing. Um, yeah, Shakespeare is a really, really unique worker placement game. I, I've it was a game that when we first played it, I was kind of so so on it, but I've actually found myself enjoying it more. I and loved more. it from Jump Street because I told you, I certain things, certain things just kind of grabbed me, like I said, Shakespeare. <laughs> That was one of my favorite things, like, mm-hmm. in school. Whenever we did Shakespeare, I loved it. And yeah. so, like, that kind of grabbed me, and I love it, because I'm looking at the cards, and I'm like, I get so excited when I see all the characters, and I'm just like, I love it. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, if you if you have Shakespeare, 
Um, you definitely want to pick up this expansion. Like I said, it's just a deck of cards, so it's pretty cheap, but it does it, add... It fits the Brad bill of taking a great game and just improving it a little, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Brad, but, you know, like he says, don't take a mediocre game and make it, you know, good. Well, and like I said, I also appreciate the fact that it doesn't change the core gameplay of the game. Like, the goal of the game is still the same, and the way you achieve that goal is still the same. It just gives you more avenues in which to, to do that. So yeah, Shakespeare Backstage... Uh, big thumbs up. Definitely a worthwhile expansion to this game. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, since we have a shorter docket, we actually have a couple Kickstarter projects to look at. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back. So because we had a shorter uh, games docket this week, we thought it would be a good idea to... Uh, check out a couple Kickstarters that we're actually looking at. We we actually were kind of kind of tame for a month or so there with the Kickstarters. Look, he says we. He means him. We are a team, madam. So we is, we is, were a team. Is that what these rings mean? We're a team. Team Van Butt. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So the two projects we're going to look at, um, one of which is an expansion to a game that we were quite high on. Uh, and the other one is a new game from a designer that we like quite a bit. So the first one is the expansion. This is an expansion to Valeria Card Kingdoms, uh, which came out last year. Which he never wants to play. I have to be in the mood for it, but I do like the game quite a bit. We've talked about this on the show. Um, this is the better Machi Koro, essentially, game, uh, which is from Daily Magic, which is a pretty cool uh, game. This is a new expansion for it uh, called Flames and Frost. I don't remember if you even told me about this one. I don't know if I did or not. So He's we'll... allowed to back it if it's under $50. If it's over 50 he has to ask. <laughs> well, <laughs> we can back it easily because it's uh, it's only 24 bucks to get this expansion. So what you're getting in it um, is you're getting more of what comes in the base box. So you get more citizen cards, which are the cards that you can hire to do the, special, to do the actions. Domains. You get more domains. You get more monsters. Um, you get more of the the <gasps> Look dukes. At the monsters. Yeah, the monsters. They actually oh, have man. five new sets. Um, you also oh, get look at the yeti. He's cool. You also get new events, and you <laughs> get more other stuff. But it, you just you just get more stuff. Ooh, but the what is this? agents. Well, yeah, that's the agents are the new things. Uh, the new thing that game. Sorry, has. guys. I'm looking at the Kickstarter page right now. <laughs> yeah, for the first time. So. Basically, as one of your actions, um, there'll be a line of agents at the top of the game area. And as one of your actions, you can hire uh, one of the agents that's face up and use a special uh, one-shot ability, basically, which is kind of cool. And then the agent actually goes to the bottom of the deck. So you can, if you're smart, you can sort of plan for that agent to come back around. You can play this game by yourself. Yeah, it's, you can be played I solo. I didn't know that. Why, are you going to? I might have to if you never want to play it with me. I am shocked that I, I guess I'll have to show you how to play it solo. So. Absolutely. So there's that. So, yeah, so, again, adds a new little quirk to the game. Um, I'd be perfectly happy just getting more more Valeria Card Kingdom stuff, just more, you know, stuff for the base game. Yeah. Which is I've, pretty cool. Like I said, I really, really enjoy this game. I don't like it as much as M does, but I do like it. She thinks I don't like it for some reason, but that's not the case. Because every time I've asked you to play in the past, like, three months, you're like, no, I don't want to play that. Well, we're still going to back this expansion. How about that? And we're still going to 
use it when it comes out. Um, however, if you are listening to this episode when it comes out, uh, it only the project only has like two days left. So if you want to get in on it, uh, you better hop over to Kickstarter and jump on that ASAP. Um, the other project that we are looking at is a new game from Nevermore Games. Uh, it's called Spires. This is actually one I was flipping through something, one of my news feeds, mm-hmm. and I'm laying in bed getting ready to go to sleep, and I find it, so I, you know, send the link to him in a text message, and all I hear up the stairs is, thanks, honey, I already saw it. It's yeah. on my radar. <laughs> well, I, I'd actually been waiting for it, um, because this is a new game from TC Petty, mm-hmm. um, who has done Viva Java, the coffee game, the dice game, which we love, and he which also we busted did out the other night for the first time in forever. Yep, and he also did Xenon Profiteer, which was one of our best games from last year. So having so his name good. on the box is going to make me play that game too, guys. Yeah, take notice automatically. Um, it's an interesting game because it is a it's a trick taking game um, with some hand management and set collection, uh, and it can be played solo as well. Which is I don't know how that's going to work, but. <laughs> He, um, th- I mean, so there's a there's an overview video that you can watch about the game on the Kickstarter video. The reason that I'm intrigued is because TC Petty is a guy who makes some very non-conventional game designs, and a, a lot of times, like so far in his games, he's taken like existing mechanics but put a really unique spin on them, which made him fun. Like Viva Java is essentially Yahtzee with all sorts of cool special powers and stuff like that. And you have to make decisions on how to allocate the dice. And there's a lot of pressure luck, uh, not just in the die rolls themselves, but also how long you keep, you know, the different coffee blends and stuff like that to score points. And then Xenon Profiteer is kind of like a reverse deck building game. It's actually like a deck deconstruction game where you add cards and then you try to get rid of them out of your deck as soon as possible. So I'm curious to see... Uh, what this is going to look like. Uh, his, it's only 20 bucks. Yeah, you can get it for... Um, Actually, you can get it for f- 15 We did the 20 Yeah, we got the deluxe version. Um, the, the basic version is $15. So yeah, I'm interested to see TC's take on, on trick-taking. Um, as of us recording this, the project has about two weeks to go. Um, they're about 75% of their way to the goal, so I would encourage you also to check this one out. Um, you can find the link to the Kickstarter in our show notes. And if it looks interesting, uh, definitely back it. And, How much is Valeria? Uh, Valeria's 24. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. You haven't backed it yet? No, I need to, I need to get around to it. It's, it's on the 48-hour reminder, so... Oh, as soon, as, soon say, as we I get that, yeah. Oh, you might as well do that while we're on the show. Okay. Why not? So, yeah, <laughs> so that's our look at Kickstarter. Um, when we come back, we will discuss the games of Vital Lacerda. Welcome back. So, yeah, our main our main uh, topic this week is a kind of a review of the games of Vital Cerda, who is one of our favorite designers. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all four of his games that he has published so far, and we played two of them in the last two weeks. <laughs> yes, we have. Yeah, he like I said for for us, he like I said he doesn't have a ton of games out because um, he's you know a relatively newer designer, but he's got a really high batting average so far. Absolutely, especially with us. I mean, we're, to, we're, we're kind of picky. Yeah, I mean, and in case you guys haven't noticed, <laughs> yeah, like Kanban, I think we had in our top five when we did our top twenty. I love Kanban. A couple weeks ago, we just played it the other day again. For it's been a while. Um, the Gallerist would be in my like top twenty-five personally. I don't know where it ranks uh, for you. Maybe not that high, but not still, not quite that high. Still probably. up there. 
Um, CO2 is a game that we have not given enough time to probably yet. Yeah, but it's I think we we've like. only had two plays on that one. Yeah. But it's good. And and we discussed Vinos uh, earlier in the show, uh, the new edition that just came out. So let's talk about his games a little bit um, and kind of specifically around the two-player stuff. So the first thing uh, that I enjoy about his games specifically is that the themes of the games are very unique. For the most part, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of wine making games like we happen to own a couple of them. But, you know, Vinos is pretty unique. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there's any other games about like the ozone. <laughs> right. And, and about and about clean, you know, clean energy and, 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 and developing right, exactly. that over like that over was the world. That was definitely when he when he brought this game home. I was like, what is this? And then we played. It, it was like, OK. Yeah, that's how C- that's that's CO two. It's very um, very interesting. Well, and I and I love it too because especially in that one more than any of his other designs, like the theme is really well integrated because not only are you playing against one another, but you also are sort of working together to just keep pollution down. Yes, in general, because it's, what what, what do you lose. call it? Cooperative. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. well, it's it's semi cooperative, but it's it's not really cooperative because you still are you know. That's why it's cooperative. Um. You know, in Kanban, it's got How the, many games do you have out there where you're actually manufacturing cars? Well, there's a couple, but not in how the... Many, how many do we have? We have racing games. We don't right. have any other well, games there, where we're actually pumping out cars, though. I don't know of anything that boils it down to the nuts and bolts level of it, basically. And then the gallerist... Har, har, har. The ga- <laughs> I wasn't even trying to be punny with that. Um, and then the gallerist is... A game that I can't even think at all um, is anything like it, you know, being an art gallery and, you know, discovering new artists and stuff like that. So, yeah, his mm-hmm. themes are are really cool um, and very unique, and I really do appreciate that. Yeah, because every, every other game like that is usually about painting. Of, like, Fresco, you're actually, you know, using paint cubes or mm-hmm. something. Wasn't there another one I saw that I was interested in about painting? I think we backed that on Kickstarter, starving, that Starving Artist Yes, yeah, Starving game. Artist, that's what it was. Um, so yeah, so unique themes. Um, he also has some commonalities with his, in the mechanics in the games too, because all of his games have a very limited number of actions. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that earlier in the show with Vinos, um, but that, like I said, that's a pretty common trend for the most part in his games. Um, CO2 definitely has it because each player only gets a handful of actions. Per round, and it's even less if if you're playing higher player counts. Two players, you actually get like five per round. Well, and I feel like, especially, I don't, I don't really know about the other games, but I know in CO two and Kanban, kind of you're working against the game as well. Like the game has a has that, mm-hmm. you know, because like Kanban, you have Sandra who's you know following you around and docking you if you don't have enough, if you haven't, yeah, you know, those, done yeah, those, enough. Yeah, those two definitely you have know, have and, where the game can push course, back on you a little CO2's bit. And then CO two is like, oh, please don't let the pollution level get above right. this, and yeah. Um, Vinos and Kanban definitely very limited actions. Um, the Gallerist is the one where it's not really limited in the number of actions that you get because the game has a very has a very variable ending. Um, so that one's a little bit more open ended than the other two. But yeah, the other ones, it's usually yeah, very. But that one still that it feels limited based mm-hmm. on, I guess, what you are able to do. Well, yes, because there's only certain it's locations not limited that you can with go to. What yeah. what you can do, it's what you're able to do more right. so in that one. Or and, yeah, not not the quantity, but the quality of the right, action exactly. is more is Absolutely. more limiting. Um, so yeah, that and that's one thing that I actually really do 
like about his games because it really does force you to kind of slow down to to make really strategic choices. <laughs> this does lead to a little bit of AP for me every so it often. Can, yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, they. I mean, his games really do encourage you to plan out. You always plan like two moves ahead. Like, okay, if I'm mm-hmm. going to do this, then I'm going to do this. And then, of course, inevitably, somebody usually Throws torpedoes your plans yeah. and, and kind of slows you up a little bit. I'm looking at you, man, across the table. Hey, what can I say? <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I think all of his games pretty much have is the ability and really the necessity to gain um, bonus actions throughout the game as well. So we talked about how the actual actions that you perform are generally limited, but all of his games have ways for you to get bonus actions or bonus abilities right basically in the gallerists it's when you get kicked out of the location that you're in kanban you have bank shifts and you can spend a shift you get to work overtime basically to to do more stuff in the department you're in um in vinos it's the you know it's the different tiles that you get in the the different wine experts co2 doesn't really have extra actions but they do have the bonus tracks that you can move around on um that trigger different gain extra yeah no, you absolutely do. Yeah, so that, yeah. It, that that's not really more of an action thing. It's more of a, a supply it's more thing of an almost. En, more of an end game. Yeah, and the, and the yeah, there's also majority yeah. scoring for that sort of thing as well. Um, and really gaining those actions and using those actions efficiently is how you you know get the key to victory in those games. Kanban's a perfect example of this because in Kanban. You generally want to try to keep five bank, five shifts banked at all times because if the factory manager, you know, is is in the depart is in a department where you're lacking in, as long as you have five bank shifts, um, shifts, uh, <laughs> you will you'll you won't lose any points. But there might be times where you really want to use those shifts, so you have to weigh, you know, using them over you know keeping them stored so that you don't get get dinged later on oh, yeah. by the factory manager. So that's, yeah, that's really cool as well. That's what hindered this guy that last game we played because mm-hmm. he didn't work hard enough to get up his uh, bank shifts and kept getting dinged for points. And then he got a whooping late on him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that so those are kind of the two, the, the common threads with all of his titles. Um, and, yeah, I, I just find his games to be very... You know, very crunchy. Um, They're very for me. It's very stimulating for my brain. Mm-hmm. Like I like games that really, really get my synapses firing. Yeah. To to talk nerdy for a minute. <laughs> yeah, and, and and also the games can be they 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 aren't punishing, but they can sometimes feel. Mm-hmm. Somewhat punishing, like I mean, nowhere near like a like a food chain magnate or anything like oh that. My but it's God. but it but We're it can definitely talk about that game right now. But it can also definitely make you um like if you do kind of mess up or if you're not being very efficient, you can mm-hmm. really stumble well, and like, find and, yourself falling. And Kanban, I know when we played the first time we played it, there's an there's actually the good the good manager and then the mean manager, mm-hmm. and we played it with the good side, and it was just uh it was okay. But you got to play with the mean one because she just, you know, it makes you work that much harder and really right. think about what you're doing. Well, and, and also the other thing I really appreciate, too, is that there isn't a single, like, like there's no dominant strategy. Right, the there's no best whatsoever. course of action. You know, we talked about Vinos and Emily won when we played, and she and she won despite pretty much punting on the wine fair for the entire game. Like, mm-hmm. like the wine fair can get you... A fair amount of points in that game, and she essentially ignored it for all intents and purposes. 
but I focused big on exporting, which yes. I think helped me out greatly in the end. Yes, absolutely did, because it got you all sorts of like endgame scoring bonuses and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's really cool that you did that. Um, and then in the recent game of Kanban that we played as well, you always tend to go heavily into like certification and stuff like that. Um, and that usually pays off for you, but sometimes it doesn't. Like sometimes I kind of just do the bare minimum needed for certifications, and I'm able to win by getting a ton of cars out and by upgrading a lot of designs. I just felt like that last like game that. we played, man. I got I was rolling. You were well, you were because the you you were able to get all the seats in that game, so you were oh, able yeah. to just smash me because I had trouble yes. getting getting seats around the conference table. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a Slacker. very cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, yeah, you always focus on getting the cars out in that one. Try to. I, I hardly ever get cars. Like, I actually had two cars, which was a lot for me in that game. Mm-hmm. I usually don't get that many. Yep. So. I still don't understand scoring on that game. <laughs> I really don't. It's terrible. So, shifting gears to kind of get to the two-player aspects of his games. Um, first of all, all of his games do support two players out of the box. Um, and most of them do pretty well. CO2 is the only one where it's, I don't want to even say it's so-so, but it's a little hinky as far as the two-player game goes. Um, but everything else actually scales very, very well. well with two. Um, why do you think that is? It, it, it almost feels like he designed the games with two people in mind. Well, I think he does You know what partly. I mean? Because I... I I don't think it would work so well. Like, I think, you know, you say, okay, I'm going to do this so that two people can play this and have fun. And then mm-hmm. if more people, then it, you know what I mean? It I, it kind of feels like he designed it for two people. Well, it helps that in, in his games, typically, um, the number of action spaces on the board is generally limited anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, in Kanban, there's only... What there's five departments, there's two spaces, there's only ten action spaces that you can choose and regardless Sanders of the player always count. Taking up one. Right, Sanders always taking up one, and all he all that he all the only rule he changes in the two player game is that you can't go to a department where Sandra, the the factory manager piece currently I resides. Sandra, I want. That's his wife. That's oh yeah, that's that's why. I was wondering. <laughs> that's I, was why like, it is. <laughs> I was like, was this like his mom? His, no, it's you just, know, somebody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's his wife. Okay. Um, that's cool. And like Gallers, there's only four action spaces. So like, if you're playing a four player game, like you're just gonna be people getting bumped around left and right in that one. But it also is still tight for two. Uh, Vinos has the nine action spaces. Of course, mm-hmm. again, the penalty there is when you are moving where people already are. If you're mm-hmm. jumping across the action board to do that, um, CO2 doesn't have action spaces. That one you actually select a specific action that you're doing mm-hmm. um, where that one is tight is in that um, the resources. Yeah. The resources are very tight and also where the different factories can be established also can be fairly tight as well. Um, so yeah, generally they scale pretty well. Um, why, what, in what ways do you think we've struggled with two player in some instances? Mm. I mean, I'll give you one specific example. I think the the 
meeting scoring in Kanban where you get to play the meeting cards and and do like point bonuses. Something's a little lost there with two. Well, if you can't get chairs, then you're kind of screwed. Well, no, not even because the chairs, because the the thing in Kanban, so there's these meeting cards that you have, and every so often during the game, you'll have at least two of these meetings. You might have three. Oh, oh you're falls. talking about like when we actually play out the card. Yeah. Yeah, the the because so, certain the, cards if you don't have if you guys aren't focusing cuz some of them are based on like certain types of parts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. If you don't have those kind if you haven't been, you know, focusing on parts or getting certain things out, then they're kind of useless because you there's nothing you can do with them. Well, for me it's more because those cards have depreciating bonuses on them because multiple players can claim one card, um but it's there's an incentive to be the first one to to do it right and in a two-player game the depreciating bonuses really don't have much of an impact if you know what i mean um and then i'm trying to think of some other examples of this i don't know the gallerist does pretty well because the gallerist um the biggest competition would be in the international market the Mm -hmm. auction um and that works well because you literally cut out half of the Half or one of the auction, one of the you, rows. In it's there. one column. Yeah, right? one column. One whole completely column. Dead. You're just not allowed to touch. And then, like Savino's, the biggest problem that that one had was the exporting area, but the new edition fixes that, so that tightens that space up a little bit as well. Um, I guess with CO2, um, the biggest reason I've heard it get knocked on is because the cooperative aspect is not as present when you're doing two players. It's easier to kind of do your own thing. In that game, I feel like we've had to really team up sometimes. Though in the few times we played, right? I think I think people feel that way just because when you're playing with two players, like I said, you get more actions. Mm -hmm. Like if you're playing a four player game of CO two, like I think in two player with that game, you get five actions per round. Four player, you only get like three or two. So I think that's where people are coming from with that. Is it? It's it's just easier to kind of do. Well, and maybe because we've only played with two. That's why we view it differently. Right. <laughs> yeah, you we're little, I mean? probably a little biased in that regard. I well, well, and I mean, we don't have a lot of people that we do play with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or that can handle a, a meteor game. We're starting to try and convert some of our friends, but <laughs> slow going. It's a slow process. <laughs> so be it, but for the most part, like, again, I think I think things work fairly well. Like you said, I really feel like he designs them with two people in mind to make sure that two people can have a, a just as good a time as four people, five people in the you know the I mean games. I'm I'm pretty sure that I've seen him say on War Game Geek that he specifically does keep that in mind when he is designing a game, which is appreciated because Absolutely. You know, we've talked about it a lot on this show that, you know, sometimes when you have to have the two player variants it's, it's not, not always, always the best good. thing. Yeah. Not always the best thing. Um but yeah, now, at least, some of them out there are good, but a lot of them get kind of lost. Yeah, so like I said, I if you know, obviously you can tell from listening to us we're huge fans of his games. Um I think among like Euro games, they're some of the more thematic ones that you can find, which is not always the case. Kanban is one of the busiest boards I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like and I mean, I remember the first time I looked at it, I was just like, holy jeez, I got to step back a minute and kind of take it all in. So we'll wrap it up here with, um, if, and we'll recommend, if you, if we can only recommend one Vitalis Herity game to you based on the two player experience. So the game that plays the best with two players and not necessarily our favorite Vitalis Herity game, <laughs> what would it be? Are we each doing our own? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is going to be anyway. But we'll, what, for <laughs> we'll, me, yeah, I'm um, for both of us. I'm pretty sure. I think we're I think we'll sync up here. Yeah. Yeah. 
I say Kanban. Yeah, I do too. I mean, yeah, like 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 Kanban happens to be our favorite one, um, but I also think it's the best two player game mm-hmm. out of all the ones that he has. I have a feeling that Vinos might could give it a run for its money once we get a chance to play it a little get bit a more. Plays under our mm-hmm. belt. Yeah, but I think Kanban just really works the best mm-hmm. with that, um, just because the action spaces are so tight as it is. There's already a fierce competition for the different resources and different different areas of the board as it is. Um like and the seats. Oh, there's nothing worse than Kanban when you when you do the when you select the three shift area of a workstation and then your opponent hops in with the two shift area of that workstation because you get to do more actions, but, but they, they get to get do to theirs first. first. <laughs> yeah, so they get to steal. Like that 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 really that really burns really, you up in that game. Really grinds his gears. It does. So yeah, Con, like even though Kanban is our favorite um, I, I definitely think that that one is the best two-player game. So if you're going to buy one Vitalis Serta game and play it with two primarily, that's the one mm-hmm. to go and grab. So very cool. And I look forward um the next one that he has coming out, I believe, is called Lisboa, which is um something to do with... Portugal. <laughs> I've I've read it. I just can't remember what it is, and I feel really bad that I don't remember um, what the what the game is about. But uh, shall I look? It up yeah, you might as well. I'll, I'll, I'll vamp. I'll vamp for time while you're while you're looking that up. Why don't you tell them who we're affiliated? Yes, with? yes, yes. So that? we are we're one of the shows on the uh, TNP Studios Network. So please check that out if you can. Uh, go to the nerdpocalypse.com, See all the other great shows in the network, including uh, the Nets Pixels Video Game Podcast, which I also host. Uh, there's a premium membership as well, which you can check out at the nerdpocalypse.com slash premium, which I would encourage you to do also. Um, and again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at tabletop for two. And yeah, keep an eye out for us on Periscope. Um, and also if you, if there's any games that you would love to see as we get into the streaming thing, certainly drop us a line and let us know. And we'll certainly consider doing that. He's already told me he also wants us to stream Clask. I don't know if any of oh, you out there have played Clask. Because I got to tell you, we we have had some epic matches of Clask. I remember the one, we're sitting there, and we're just, like, whacking the ball, whacking the ball. Next thing I know, the ball popped off the table. I'm like, where is it? And my other hand is sitting perfectly on the table, and it landed in between my fingers as my hand is clenched on the table. I said, we'll never do that again, ever. So, Lisboa, (laughs) um, it's a game that's coming out next year, just so everybody knows. But, yeah, it's it's about the reconstruction of Lisbon uh, after the Great Earthquake of 1755. Apparently, there was a... Magnitude nine earthquake that uh, messed up that city pretty badly, almost completely destroyed it. Uh, but it's about kind of driving the you know the economy of the city, building it back up as well. Um, so it looks pretty cool. Uh, looks sort of just from pictures. I again, I haven't really done a whole lot of research in the game. Um, more in line with like the gallerist. Uh, so that's something to look forward to as well. And I believe there's a Kickstarter going to be for it. If I'm not mistaken, so keep an eye out for that one. I'm sure we will. Uh, I'm sure we'll mention it on the show once it starts. Mm-hmm. So that'll be that'll be really fun. So thanks again for listening. Uh, we will catch you guys next episode.